We do our part at uh, Fellowship Through Food. One of the other things that we really value here is relationships, obviously. We believe it's all about not only having a relationship with God, but about building relationships and friendships with each other. So that's why here at the Oasis, we're a family. And we're always open to welcoming new people into our family, but we're family. And that's the way we look at each other. One of the other things that I want to share before the message this morning that I think makes us unique, and I've been in ministry now for 35 years as a pastor, is that there are many local churches that either emphasize the Word of God at the expense of worship, or churches out there that emphasize worship at the expense of the Word. In a sense, worship and the Word sort of begin to compete with each other in church. We believe that worship and the Word should never compete with each other, but complement each other. And our worship leader, Nicole, and I work very closely together to provide and build and create that kind of environment. Because we believe that the more one worships God, the more one is driven to the Word to know more about Him. And then the more we learn about Him, the more we are driven to worship Him. And that that's the way it should be in our lives. Our worship of God and the Word of God should never compete with each other. They should go together and complement each other. 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning. I want to share a message on living on the edge of eternity. Living on the edge of eternity. We've been studying the book of 1 Peter on Sunday mornings. And uh, it just so happened that this passage sort of fell out on this Sunday and I was like, Lord, is, it, is this the passage you want me to share on our grand opening Sunday and our ninth anniversary? And God clearly said, yes. So I listened for once and said, okay, God, we'll go with it. So I want to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. These are the verses we're going to be looking at this morning. Peter writes, for the culmination of all things is near. So be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of prayer. Above all, keep your love for one another fervent, because love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without complaining. And just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Whoever speaks, let it be with God's words. Whoever serves, do so with the strength that God supplies, so that in everything God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. There was no one closer to Jesus Christ on earth than the Apostle Peter. He was the leader, eventually, of the twelve disciples. He was obviously a key figure in the history of the early church and the establishment of the foundation of the church that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Peter had obviously a very unique perspective on things, not only because of his own personal relationship with God, but also because of his unique personal relationship with Jesus Christ while he was here on earth. 
And Peter is writing to a group of Christians, so we need to keep that in mind. He's writing here to believers in Jesus Christ, but he's writing to a group of Christians who are undergo undergoing severe hardship, severe persecution, severe pain. They're really going through some deep trials in their life. And Peter is wanting to encourage them. But here he also wants to remind them of something that no matter where we are in life and how old we are as far as our physical age, all of us should be keeping in mind that we are all living on the edge of eternity. That's what he means when he says in verse 7, the culmination of all things is near. Peter here is not working from a faulty premise. Some people would say, well, Peter's got it all wrong because... That's 2,000 years have passed, and here we are. Peter didn't say the culmination of all things is here. He said the culmination of all things is near. There's a difference. And Peter really isn't talking here about the apocalypse. He's not talking about the end of the world here as much as he's talking to a group of believers getting ready to step out into eternity. He is saying to you and I, even as believers in Jesus Christ, do you realize how close you are to the edge of eternity? Again, no matter how old we are. Folks, the older I get, obviously that really resonates with me, but the Bible talks about the fact that our life is a vapor, that we appear on this earth for a very short time compared to eternity, and then we go out into eternity. And Peter is trying to remind us that even if you're here this, this morning and you're in your teens or 20s, obviously, you're not thinking about dying and going into eternity, you need to hear this too. Because even if you live a normal lifespan of what is considered to be the normal lifespan of a human being, say, even in our country, the United States of America, you're talking about maybe early to mid-80s now, maybe late 80s, okay. That still means to eternity, you've got 50 or 60 years to go, and you step out into eternity too. So the youngest of us here, the youngest of us here today, maybe has 50, 60, 70 years at tops before you and I step out into eternity? How much closer than is eternity for those of us that are in our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond? And Peter is saying, do we not realize that even from the time we are born as little babies, compared to eternity, compared to the little bit of earthly life that we live, that all of us are living on the edge of eternity. And that is if we live to a normal lifespan. What about all those human beings that never plan on being out into eternity before they are, and yet for some reason like disease or an accident or whatever, they're out into eternity before they realize it? And so Peter here wants to, us to understand, do we live in light of that? Do we live in light of the reality of eternity? Because God talks a lot about it. And then do we live in light every day of the fact that you and I are going to step out into that eternity in a very, very short time, even if we live to be the normal age of a male or female in this world today? So with that in mind, Peter says, 
Here are some of the things that we, especially as believers in Jesus Christ, should be focusing on, should make our life about as we look to eternity. Because this earth, this time that we have is very short. How do I make the most of the time that I have here? The first thing Peter says is keep praying. Keep praying. Be a person of prayer. The word that Peter uses here for prayer is a word that just means turn to God. Turn to God. Talk to him. Communicate with him. Commune with him. But always make prayer a priority of our life. And Peter, before he even says that, says, so be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of prayer. In other words, he's saying, basically, keep your wits about you in the day and age in which you live. Don't allow your mind to get so messed up and so discombobulated and so distracted and so full of all this other stuff that you and I hear every day as human beings on this planet that we forget to talk to everything about, to talk about everything to God, you know. He, he's basically saying keep your calm, keep your cool, Keep your composure mentally and always be in a place where we're talking to God about everything and anything. Prayer, prayer, people of prayer. I mean, again, when Jesus was on earth, he taught his disciples how to pray. It was so important that he taught his followers, prayer's important and this is how you should pray. And then... In his own personal example, in modeling a life before his disciples, what do you see in the Gospels? He's always out with his father somewhere talking to the father, praying. His disciples are like, where's Jesus? Well, he's probably out praying again. So he even not only taught his disciples to pray, but he modeled it for them. And one of the things that Jesus taught in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, is men and women, young people, ought always to pray and not to lose heart, not to give up, not to faint, not to become filled with despair and discouragement. Instead, pray. And in that passage that Jesus talks about prayer, at the end of it, he says, but when the Son of Man comes back to earth, will he find faith on the earth? because our faith is connected to our praying. A person of strong, growing faith is going to be a person that knows and understands and believes that God hears our prayers, that he answers our prayers, that he responds to us when we pray. And so our faith will inspire our prayer life. But a person of weak, of, of faith that is not growing, of faith that is stagnant, is going to be a prayerless Christian. And so Peter is saying, as you and I get ready to step out on the edge of eternity, one of the things that's going to keep us in good stead while we're here on this earth for a very short time and help us to make the most out of our time on earth is to stay in touch with God through prayer. We all have the privilege of prayer because the blood of Jesus Christ opened up access for us, opened up that way to God so that you and I, any of us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, any of us can approach the throne of grace and find help when we need it. Amen. You know, in the Old Testament, 
It had to be the high priest could only go to the Holy of Holies, and that once a year on the Day of Atonement. For you and I as Christians, we have the privilege that any and all of us who know Jesus as our Savior can approach the Holy of Holies at all times. And therefore, Peter is saying, keep praying, my friends. I saw how important prayer was in, in Jesus' life while he was here on earth, our Lord and Savior. He taught me how to pray. He taught all of us how to pray. He taught us about the primacy and the priority of prayer. And if you and I are going to make it in this day and age and be able to navigate the difficult circumstances that life will bring, one of the things that will do that is keep praying. Secondly, keep loving. Keep loving. He says, above all, keep your love for one another fervent because love covers a multitude of sins. Notice here, too, he's qualifying it. He's not even talking about love for everybody. He's saying, let's just start with your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's start there. Because Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love each other as I have loved you. That's the newness of the commandment. The way Jesus loved them is the way we should love each other. And he said, by this kind of love, all men will know that you are my disciples, John 13, 34, and 35. So Peter is saying, keep praying, but also keep loving. This is a supernatural love. This is not a love of feeling. This is a love of choice. This is a love that wakes up every day and says to our one another's, I love you. Maybe you don't even deserve it, but I'm going to choose to love you supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I will keep loving you because he says keep fervent love amongst yourselves. Fervent, intense, hot. Don't let your love for each other cool or wane. Keep your love fervent. For one another. Wow, that is so needed today, especially in a world that is so unloving, a world filled with hatred and, and strife and division and broken relationships and all of this. And God is saying, you want to live on the edge of eternity? Then love each other. And then he goes on to say, because this kind of love will cover a multitude of sins. He's not saying cover up sin. He, he's simply saying it will cover in this sense. I think one of the best biblical illustrations I could use of this phrase is the way Joseph was going to handle his relationship with Mary before the angel came to Joseph and told him, oh, yes, Mary was right. She is conceiving through the power of the Holy Spirit. She didn't fool around on you. She was not unfaithful to you. Before that, the Bible says Joseph, being a righteous man, was going to divorce Mary, and he had every right to do so under Jewish law. But the Bible says this about Joseph. He was going to do it privately, not publicly. Amen. That's love covering a multitude of sins. You see, real love, like God's love, doesn't shine a big old spotlight on someone else's mistakes. Any more than you and I would want our failures and our mistakes to have a big old spotlight shining on them. And yet, and yet, 
We live in a world today where people make a habit, in fact, take pleasure in when people fall and when they sin and they make mistakes. What do we do? We want to shine a big old light on that. And I think part of the reason and part of the problem for that is that makes us feel better about ourselves. How sad that that's the case, that we take pleasure in other people's failures because somehow that makes me feel better about myself. No, God says. No. Have the kind of love that I have for you for one another. I'm glad God doesn't shine a big old spotlight on my failures and sins. In fact, as we even sung about today, God canceled my debt as he canceled your debt. God wiped away all my sin. My sin, past, present, and future is forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, and God will never bring up my sin to me or you ever again. It is done. It is released. It is canceled, praise God. And therefore, Peter says, keep loving. How sobering would it be to go out into eternity and go out filled with hate and anger and bitterness towards all these other people in your life and be able to stand before Jesus Christ, the embodiment of love, the one who loves us in spite of all of our sin and our failure and mistakes, who loves us unconditionally, who knows everything about us and yet still loves us. How sobering is that to stand before the one who loves us unconditionally and yet there we are, we left, etern- we left our earthly life just filled with all these people that we just hated and, and were bitter against and were upset against and angry against and mad against. And there he is just ready to open up his arms and love on us. Peter said, no, 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 no. If you and I truly know we're living on the edge of eternity, we'll not only keep praying, we'll keep loving. Third, we'll keep showing hospitality, verse 9. Show hospitality, again, not just to everybody, but here, just in this passage, just to one another first. Start with each other as brothers and sisters. Be hospitable. What's it mean? Literally, it means to love strangers. (laughs) But I think to apply it to our lives, here's some terms we could use. Be friendly. Be, be friendly towards each other. Uh, share. That's a good synonym for hospitality. Being willing to share what we have. Generosity. Being a generous person would also be a very good synonym for the word hospitality. See, in a sense, one who is hospitable is one who shares of our resources, who is generous, who is not selfish, and who is friendly. And he says, how important was that 2,000 years ago and how even more important is it today that we live in a very unfriendly world sometimes, in a world that's all about ourselves. Instead of sharing, we hoard... (laughs) We keep everything to us. We hold it. We don't live with open hands. And Peter is saying, again, how would I want to go out into eternity? Do I want to go out in eternity and meet my Jesus who shared everything that he had and is going to share his kingdom with us throughout eternity? And yet I'm going to go out there saying, I held on to my kingdom when Jesus didn't even hold on to his 
In fact, he didn't even hold on to, in a sense, his position as God, but was willing to sacrifice that position for an amount of time and come to earth and take upon a human body, veiled his glory. He didn't cease to be God, but he certainly gave up the independent use of his attributes as God while he was here on earth. And he did all that for you and I. Talk about someone who's generous. No one can outgive God. <laughs> no one is more generous than God is. God the Father not only gave his precious son to all of us, his one and only son, but God wants to share his entire kingdom with us throughout eternity. That's pretty generous. Especially to those of us, we didn't deserve it. There's no way we could earn it. It was all by God's grace that we get all of these wonderful things that we get to look forward to throughout eternity. And so Peter says, if you and I are conscious that we are living on the edge of eternity every day of our lives, no matter how old we are, then we will keep praying, we will keep loving, we will keep showing hospitality. Verse 10, we will keep serving one another. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Serve. And here's where many times as Christians I think we get off track, and I say this even about myself, is we reduce being a servant or service to acts of service. Like at church, you know, we're like, I'm, I'm going today to serve. As if, like, there's this two-hour period here where I'm punching in as the servant, but then as soon as that two hours is done, I'm done. Now people can start serving me, you know. I did my, I did my part. I did my duty for that, you know, couple hours there. And God is like, oh, you're missing the intent of it all. It's not a matter of, of doing acts of service and, and, you know, churches providing, you know, opportunities for service. The idea that God wants to get into our heads as his children is that we wake up every day not doing something that's serving, but being a servant 24-7. Literally waking up every day, putting on the apron, if you will, of a servant and saying, I'm here to serve whoever, whenever, wherever. I'm just a servant. And it's not a matter of, well, I pick and choose where I serve to who I serve and all of that. It's waking up every day with the mindset of Jesus Christ that whoever I run into that day, whatever comes my way, I'm going to look at it through the eyes of a servant. Can I serve in some way? Because that's how Jesus was. That's who Jesus is, you see. He was always serving. He was always looking out for others, not just for himself. And Peter reminds us, look, every Christian has at least been given one supernatural gift. That's what the word gift here means. It's the Greek word charisma. It is a supernatural, not natural. So when, when Christians go, uh, for instance, well, someone has the spiritual gift of singing. Now, that's technically not right. That's a great natural ability that God blessed them with to be able to have a beautiful voice, but that is not a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a supernatural enablement that goes beyond our natural abilities and talents. 
and that at least one supernatural gift is given to every Christian, not just pastors, not just ministry leaders and elders and all that. Every Christian has at least one supernatural gift given by God, and here it is, to be able to bring something supernatural to the church. That's why he says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. Because God sees our service to each other as a stewardship. He says, look, I've given you special ability through me. What are you doing with it? And we know Jesus talks a lot about this in the Gospels, in the parables, where God gave people special talents and special abilities and then comes back later on to see what did you do with it did you use the gift and all of us as christians are going to be accountable for how we use what god gave us in order to bless others god didn't just bless us to be you know to be blessed ourselves god blessed us so that we in turn could bless others Amen. and so he says as you get ready to go out into eternity, not only keep praying and keep loving and keep showing hospitality, but keep serving each other. And I love what he says after the word stewards. He says, of the varied grace of God. It's a word where we get the word variegated or multifaceted or even you could use multicolored. In other words, God is saying, you all are unique. You're unique in the way I created you and you're even unique in your spiritual self. There is no other Christian on earth quite like you that has the combination of natural abilities and talents and temperament and all of those things, plus the spiritual gift or giftings that I gave you. No one else has that. So it is up to all of us then to be responsible to share, going back even to hospitality, to share and be generous with what God gave us in order that we can strengthen and build up and bless others and not keep it to ourselves. So many Christians today want to come into a church and be a spectator rather than a servant. That's why, can I just say this, and I'm not down on big churches, I'm just saying that's one of the appeal of megachurches, is people, especially in a megachurch, can just come in, sit in the back, hear the worship, hear the word, and then cut out real quick, never build any relationships with anybody, never get involved, never really serve. For them, it's just like punching a time clock. It's like you know, putting in their time, checking off a box. I went to church today. I feel better about myself. And they totally miss the intent of church and even why God brought them here and why God created them and why God blessed them. Peter is giving us a real clear picture of what it should be. He's saying, keep praying, keep loving, keep showing hospitality, keep serving each other as good stewards of the grace of God. And notice again, how can we do this with each other if we're not connected to each other? How can I pray for you if I don't even know what's going on in your life? That's where relationships come in. How can I love you when it might even be hard to love you if I never build any kind of relationship with you? How can we love each other? How can I show hospitality to people I don't even know, that I wouldn't even know how to contact them and how to call them up or message them or text them or anything? How can I serve those that I'm not around? That's why Peter says we've got to do this together rather than stay isolated from each other. Two more, Peter says here, 
as we live on the edge of eternity. Next, be God-dependent. Be God-dependent. Because notice what he says in verse 11. Whoever speaks, like Pastor Jeff or anybody that has a speaking gift, don't do it with your own words. Let it be with God's words. And that's why when you come to the Oasis, you will find very quickly that Pastor Jeff pretty much sticks to the Bible. Because I guess what? Part of it is I get myself in trouble when I don't. That's part of it. But the other part is you, don't, you didn't come here to hear what Jeff thought. At least I hope not. Because my opinion and my thoughts and all of that really doesn't matter in the scheme of anything. I'm a human being just like you. I want to hear from God. I hope you do too. And so when we go to church or when we go to a Bible study or whatever, we should hopefully not be listening to people's words and people's opinions and what do you think it means, but what God says it means, because that's what really counts. And then he says to those who are not just speaking, but maybe serving, and especially a lot of times serving behind the scenes where God didn't call you to an upfront ministry, but God called you to an equally important ministry, sort of behind the scenes. Peter says this, whoever serves, do so with the strength that God supplies. In other words, we should never serve in our own wisdom. We should never serve in our own strength and power. Anything that we do, especially in the name of God and for God, should be from God, if you will that God is enabling us, that God is empowering us. So many churches make a good show of what a group of human beings can accomplish. How about being part of a church that God does something so incredible that only God can get the glory for it? And where it goes way beyond what you and I could accomplish as mere human beings. And we just are the instruments. We're just the vessels for God to just flow through and touch other people's lives through. Which is why Peter says, when you and I live God-dependently or rely on God, that means then God will get the glory for it. Which is what he says, purpose statement, so that in everything God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. Are people seeing what we can do or are people seeing God in us and what God can do in a human being's life if that human being is open to God you see that's what God's people should be about and let me say this when you and I also live a God-dependent God-reliant life meaning that we only take on in life what God is asking us to take on, and then with his power and his strength and his wisdom, that means you and I will never get into a place where we are pulling our hair out, even if we could. <laughs> and why do I say that? Because Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, Jesus said, if you're living your life the way I want to, you to, with carrying on the responsibility that I want to give you, you should never feel weighed down and pulled in a thousand different directions and have all this burden on you and all of this, because that means 
that somehow, some way, we've messed up and we've started to take on more than what God even expects us to take on. Because God says, I have created you with a uniquely well-fitted responsibility in mind. And if you do this responsibility that I've called you to, and you take on the responsibilities that I want you to, and then you take it on in the strength that I give you, you will never feel like this as you walk through life. You'll be able to hold your head up high because you and I will be empowered and strengthened with the power of God every day, and it won't become too much for us. One more thing. Peter says, as we live on the edge of eternity, we should not only keep praying, keep loving, keep showing hospitality, keep serving as good stewards, and be God-dependent, we should keep worshiping. Notice how he ends this passage. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen, Peter says. Folks, that's worship. And did you notice something here? I want you to notice this because I just talked about it at the beginning of the message. Where the Word should inspire worship and then worship should fuel our time back in the Word. Did you notice what happened here just in this short little passage? Doctrine, because that's what Peter's talking to us about as Christians. He's giving us good doctrine, good teaching. Do you notice what that led to? Doctrine led to doxology. See, Peter couldn't help but think, oh my goodness, this is the Word of God and this is the revelation of God. And then the more he thinks about God and the more he thinks about all the wonders of God, even in relationship to our own responsibilities living on the edge of eternity, he just starts going, God, you're wonderful. You get the glory for it all. Because it's only because of you that we're even in this position to be able to live on the edge of eternity every day with purpose and with power and with your presence alive in our life. So many people today don't even know why they're on the planet. They have no idea why they were created or who they were created for or what their purpose is. And God says, oh, my own people, I don't want you to suffer from the same thing. I want you to know who you are in me and know what you should be focused on and, and, and what your life should be about as you live on the edge of eternity because very, very soon we're all going to be there. We're all going to be there. I've been a pastor for 35 years this year, and I have done hundreds upon hundreds of memorial services and funeral services. And as I've told you before, not all of those funerals and memorial services were for people in their 80s and 90s, and yes, I've even done some of people in their hundreds. Sad to say, there have been a lot of funerals that I've done of, of children, teenagers, People in their 20s, 30s, 40s, because death and eternity has no favorites. And so I want us today to hear the voice of God through his servant Peter. All of us here today, no matter how old we are, whether we realize it or not, we are living on the edge of eternity. Even if you and I spend 80 or 90 or even 100 years on this earth, compared to forever, compared to forever, and something for all of us to keep in mind is the way I'm living my life right now with the priorities and values that I'm living by right now, is that really going to matter a million years from now? In fact, is that even going to matter 
100 years from now. Because God wants his people to live in such a way that no matter how long forever is, and I can't even wrap my mind around that, I know you can't either, that 10 billion years from now, our little small time on this earth will still count for something. That's awesome when you think about it. That there will never come a time throughout eternity that if we live according to the principles of God's Word, that our life will still count billions upon billions upon billions of years from now. That's the kind of life God wants His people to be about. So that's why Peter says, folks, know that you're living on the edge of eternity every day. Keep praying, keep loving, keep showing hospitality, keep serving, stay God-dependent, remain God-reliable, and keep worshiping. Keep worshiping. We were created for worship. And every human being worships someone or something. What makes Christians unique is not that we are worshipers, but that we worship God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes us unique. And the other thing that should make us unique as worshipers of God through Jesus Christ is that our worship should come from the heart. It shouldn't be something that comes externally. It should be something that, again, out of the gratefulness and thankfulness uh, of, of a heart that has been so blessed by God and the realization of how wonderful God has been to all of us, that that worship and that praise and that adoration and that blessing just begins to flow out of us from the inside out. And we can't help but just say, to God, to God belongs the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Could I ask you to stand, please, and we'll close in prayer. Father, one day we are going to see God. One day we are going to stand before him. And so often, God, even as Christians, we think that day is so very, very far away. But Peter is reminding us just how close it will be till we see Jesus face to face. And God is reminding us through Peter today, do we really want to go out seeing Jesus and feeling his embrace seeing the one who loved us and gave up everything so that we could have this eternal life with him and in his kingdom, do we really want to go out not praying, not loving, not showing hospitality, not serving, not depending upon him at all, and not worshiping him at all? God, those priorities, those values can start right here and right now. Or even right here, right now, God, we have an opportunity to end this time together today worshiping you. God, would you accept the praises of your people? And God, we know that even as Nicole pointed out, you inhabit the praises of your people. You, you sit upon the praises of your people. You manifest your presence in a very special way amongst your people when your people out of our hearts lift up our voices in praise to you. So God, I pray that we would sense and feel your presence here in a special way 
as we lift up our voices to you in praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.